So we are um, continuing this conversation that we started last week about unforgiveness and how we all need forgiveness. We all need to grant forgiveness because we all sin. We all have been sinned against. And so this series is really something that applies to all of us, no matter what uh, level of spiritual walk we've been on. Um, so I want to talk about, um, in Israel, there are these two large bodies of water. Now, I can imagine when Jesus was traveling the country preaching that he would use these natural illustrations. In the, as he was walking around with the people, he would look at these things and he would use these as sermon illustrations. And so it's interesting because the Sea of Galilee, I think I have a picture of it here, freely receives water and gives out water. And you can see there in the picture that the result is there is an abundance of life. There's fish, there's plant life, there's all kinds of uh, things that you can get out of that lake. And in the scripture, it talks about how Jesus and the disciples um, fished in the Sea of Galilee. And the water of the Sea of Galilee is carried by way of the Jordan River into the Dead Sea. Okay, I have another picture of the Dead Sea. And you can perhaps see the difference here that the Dead Sea is quite different, and there is a reason for its name. Why do you think they called it the Dead Sea? You're brilliant, all right? So the Dead Sea only takes the water in uh, and doesn't give any water out. And so there's no outlet. There are no living plants. There are no fish in it. You cannot fish in the Dead Sea. I've been there before, actually, and this is what it looks like. And the living water of the Sea of Galilee, so even though the water's living, coming into the Sea of Galilee becomes dead, when it's mixed with the stagnant waters of the Dead Sea. And so these two seas illustrate both that giving and receiving forgiveness are required to live life abundantly. That someone who holds unforgiveness in their heart is like the Dead Sea. Even when someone tries to offer it life, even when someone tries to be life-giving to it, like the Sea of Galilee, it is so toxic that it kills all the newness and all the freshness of life. What a powerful illustration, because when we harbor unforgiveness, our hearts are in danger of quenching every offer of life from any other source. And so with this series, we wanted to give you a real practical step to respond to this series. Um, starting Monday, tomorrow evening, June 17th, we're offering a three-week soul care class. And so if this class just helps you work through unforgiveness, it, it'll show you how to forgive, how to pull out the deep roots of bitterness, how to live in freedom. We want you to sign up to be part of this class. It's three Monday nights in a row right here at the church. And you can sign up on our website or out in the Next Step Center after service today in the lobby. And I don't want you to miss this awesome opportunity because it's going to be really important for your spiritual life. So last week, um, we shared a story, a video testimony, and if you weren't able to see it, you can catch it on the podcast or on Facebook. Uh, but Barb Fisher shared so honestly, so vulnerably, about an experience that she had had in her life um, she was very sick with a rare disease, um, a disease that typically only affects um, Asian women. And um, she was getting worse and worse, and she didn't know what to do. And she asked, just prayed to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to her. And when he did, the Lord told her that her health struggle um, was a direct effect of the bitterness and unforgiveness that she was holding in her life. 
And that was such a wake-up call for her. And so she worked through those offenses, and she, she gradually got better and stronger, and she was completely healed of this ailment. And Barb shared some of those offenses that, that the Lord spoke to her about, how when she was a young mother, she was deeply hurt and wronged um, by a man who forced his way into her home and raped her at knife point while her young son uh, cried in his crib. And, and then after this terrible experience, um, she came to her, her parents for support, and she was disappointed by some of his reaction, some of her father's reaction and lack of support. And she really had to work through this experience and these emotions on so many levels. And so today, I, would, I just want to unpack. Last week, we had such a, an amazing time of worship, and we watched that video, and then I left you kind of in suspense, I feel. So I'm glad you came back for part two, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Barb's testimony and how that intersects with the scripture. And so first, I want to talk about how Barb experienced healing from the disease that she was dealing with. She experienced it. She worked through her unforgiveness. Because her obedience was to what God asked her to do. Her obedience was she opened the door for blessing by being obedient, and that brought healing. And it created a situation where God could be glorified and, and God could be given honor, and, and Barb was, extended that forgiveness that God was asking her to, and that opened the door for blessing. And that's how God works. Your obedience creates straight pathways for the reins of blessing. Okay, when we do what God asks us to do, it makes, a, it makes a straight pathway for God to rain down that blessing that he has in our lives. Now, interestingly, um, Stanford University did a study uh, in 2006 called The Forgiveness Project. It was published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology, and it states that uh, when people learn how to forgive their, when people learn how to forgive, that their physical health sim symptoms are scientifically proven to reduce. Okay, the, the stress that we put in our, our immune systems, the stress we put in our cardiovascular systems, kind of Pastor Don was talking about a little bit in his word, when we hold grudges, when we hold resentments, they are associated scientifically with higher levels of inflammation and chronic illness. If you're a, a doctor in the room, you could, you could probably uh, validate these uh, things just from your experience. But the Journal of Clinical Psychology said this, anger can have immune implications. It dysregulates the nervous system, and it certainly is the most harmful emotion for the cardiovascular system. Now, that was written without any regard or link to the spiritual. These are just really smart people doing research and as they see case study after case study linked the spiritual decision of unforgiveness to a physical response. But I believe it's all connected together because God created the mind, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Are you with me? And what's happening in our soul can certainly affect what's happening in our body. And so it's vital for our spiritual life that we stay clear of bitterness, that we stay clear of unforgiveness, but it's also extremely important, according to the Journal of Clinical Psychology, that you need to stay clear of that for your physical health. Because that literally shows a connection. Research shows a connection. Now, with that said, hear me say this. Just for clarity, not every illness or every calamity has the root cause of unforgiveness, okay? If you or someone you love is walking through an illness or some type of physical struggle right now, I don't want you to panic and worry and blame and be fearful that it's some kind of punishment from God because you have held grudges. 
And let me tell you how I know this for sure. John 9, 1 through 12, tells this amazing, miraculous story about a man who was born blind. And in verse 2 and 3, it said, you can read it with me. It says, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? The disciples assumed something must have been wrong with him physically because of sin. And so they're asking him that. And just, just what Jesus answers, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And so the scripture goes on to say that Jesus reached down, he spits in the mud, he smears it on his eyes, and he could see again. And in this case, this physical limitation had absolutely nothing to do with sin. So I want you to see the contrast of, yes, unforgiveness does affect us physically. And in Barb's case, was the reason she, God revealed to her, that was the reason she was struggling. However, not every single time there's sickness or illness is because of that. And so what we need to be careful is make sure that we're discerning from God. But here's the bottom line. We should never repent of unforgiveness with some type of motive or expectation. If I repent of my unforgiveness, then God will heal me. God may not work the same way for you as he did for Barb, but we cannot manipulate God or try to coerce him. But the truth is, the scripture is very clear about how we should forgive, no matter what. And our motive should be to simply obey God's very clear and very true commandment about forgiveness. He doesn't pull any punches with forgiveness. He tells us very, very clearly, this is how you should forgive. I want to bring us to Ephesians 4, verse 32. It's giving instructions to those who are followers of Christ. So if you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. This is the instruction. Be kind, even on Peach Street, and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, and just look at the last clause, just as in Christ God forgave you. So when I studied that scripture this week, and as I've been studying it, I, I thought to myself, okay, so we're, we're to forgive as God forgave us. How did God forgive us? What measurement, what standard does God use for us? What does forgiveness look like coming from God the Father? It is deep, it is wide, it is never-ending, it is overwhelming. In fact, some people even call it reckless. And it's not because we ever deserved it, but it's because God granted it to us in this ultimate act of mercy and grace and love. Psalm 103, 10 through 12 tells us, He, as in God, has not dealt with us according to our own sins, nor punished us according to our own iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. The forgiveness of Jesus wipes the slate clean. It pardons us. It cancels the debt. It holds no record of wrongs. It's amazing. It's magnificent. It's uncomprehendable. The forgiveness of God is something that we can never describe, we can never understand. And so this beautiful way that God forgives us, the forgiveness of Jesus, is what he says, use that same measure in how you forgive others. Perhaps one of the clearest pictures of how God forgives us is found in the, a parable in Luke 15, and in this parable, Jesus is talking about a man oh, with two sons. The man divides his property between them. 
The younger son takes what he has, goes off into the country, lives wildly. He, he spends all he has. He squanders it all. He, he ends up uh, being a hired hand, feeding the pigs, and was so hungry that the scripture says he's tempted to eat the scraps that the pigs are eating. And so he decides right, right then and there in his lowest moment, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for help. What's the worst that could happen? I'm in the lowest point of my life. And we see in Luke 15 what happens. He got up. He went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against, and against, against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, no hesitation, Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. This scripture shows us that when we take one step in God's direction, he runs the rest of the way. And as far as I know, the only place in the word of God where God is pictured as being in a hurry is right here when the Lord God is portrayed as a father running to greet and forgive his sinful son. The truth is God is more willing to show mercy than we are to seek it. He is more willing to forgive the sin than we are to commit it. And this parable shows that the son came back fully restored to the father's house, the best robe, the family ring, fully loved, fully forgiven. And in this parable, I just love it because God is portrayed as a father who is full of joy when the son returns. What does this tell you about God's character? What does this tell you about God's desire to forgive us? He is joyful when his children turn back and ask for forgiveness. He is not waiting at the door with a finger to wave. I told you so. You shouldn't have done that. Now let's go back and, and think about everything you did and go sit in the corner and mope about it and, and do all this. He, he is standing there and he is saying, come back, I'm so glad you are home. And God, who, who has a universe to run and galaxies to uphold and, and atomic particles to manage and governments to rule, yet his greatest pleasure that we see in the scripture is when his sinful children come back from squandering it all and walk into the house of God. And if you're here today, I, and no one's ever told you, or maybe no one's ever described God's forgiveness this way, I want you to know that God himself is pursuing you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're in spiritual darkness, Jesus is waiting for you just to take one step in his direction, and he will run to you the rest of the way. Because he is the father God of the prodigal son. He is father God of the prodigal son. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. And all you have to do is make this decision in your heart to repent of your sin and receive God's grace. And the truth is, the cross does the rest of the work. If it doesn't sound fair, you're right, it's not. That's what grace is. Makes up for all our shortcomings and all our misgivings. 
And, and I just want to stop right here in this moment. I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never taken one step in God's direction or you've never felt the love and the forgiveness of God, that don't leave this building until you have. At the end of service here in a few minutes, there's some, be some people at these tables here in the corner. Uh, you can come up and talk and to pray with them or grab the person that you came with and just ask them more about it. You could even get a piece of bacon while you talk. That's acceptable. But don't let one more day go by ignoring God's pursuit of you. So this is how God forgives. This is how God forgives. And this par parable is such a beautiful portrait of this illustration of the forgiveness of God. And, and what blows my mind is that God asks us to forgive others in this same way. And this is a giant assignment. It is a giant assignment on our lives as followers of Christ. Now, I want to remind us that forgiveness is a process. Okay, forgiveness is a process. It is not always a one-time event or, or, or one prayer and it's taken care of. It can take years to work through and walk through painful experiences. In fact, the harder and the deeper the wound the more trying the task of forgiveness can be. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you are wrestling with forgiving someone, don't be hard on yourself that it's taking time to work through, but I want to encourage you, I want to assure you that Jesus has all the grace that you need to extend that forgiveness. And keep chipping away at it. Keep chipping away at it. Keep be being patient with yourself, but don't stop working for it. Because it may take time, it may take process, but the Holy Spirit of God wants to set you free. He wants you to live in spiritual freedom. And so don't stop working on it as you chip it away. When Barb shared with me all that those terrible things that happened to her, it wasn't that she woke up one day and it was just all gone. She had to walk through it. She had to, she had to fight through it. She had to change the way she thought. She had to undo some of her thinking. But that, that fight for that forgiveness was so rewarding physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Also, forgiveness is not a feeling. Don't wait until you feel like forgiving because you may never get there. Feelings take time to heal after you make choices to forgive. But I do want to tell you the truth that feelings always follow choices. Feelings always follow decisions. And so don't wait till you feel like it. Start forgiving. Start moving in that direction and your feelings will catch up. I want to talk about... Uh, Forgiving someone takes at least four decisions. You might want to jot these down. It's at least four decisions. I want to challenge this with you this morning, maybe to evaluate in your life uh, whether you have a little bit of unforgiveness in there you need to, to work through. The first decision is to release the offender from the guilt of his sin. To release the offender from the guilt of his or her sin. When God forgives, he brings down the gavel like in a courtroom, and he says, not guilty. Case dismissed. That's how God forgives. And the guilty sinner bears his guilt no longer. And so when you choose to forgive someone, you let the matter drop. I didn't even plan that, but that was... <laughs> thank you. That was impressive. You release them from their guilt. Now, even when the hurt and the pain is justified, like, like Barb's story, she, she was attacked by a criminal. I mean, she was, she was totally violated by someone that, that should never have been in her home, in, in her own place. She had every right to be angry and hurt and bitter, but she chose to release him from the guilt of that sin. 
Second decision, forgiveness includes the decision to refuse to bring up the offense to use against the offender. When God says that he will not remember our sins anymore, he says that in the scripture, it's not that he forgets them, like some type of amnesia or something. He doesn't forget them. What he means is that he will not bring up any of our offenses against us in the future. We do not have to fear standing before God someday because there is now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you do not have to fear standing before God because Jesus himself has taken those those offenses that you deserve to have against you. And so to forgive someone is to promise that you will not bring the matter up again against them. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Forgiving someone means the third decision you make. You refuse to think about the offense. Now, thankfully... God is not in heaven rehearsing and rehashing our sins every day. Thankfully. Thankfully, when God looks at us, he is thinking about the goodness and the righteousness and the the things he has put inside of us and the future and the destiny and all of the things he wants us to do, the gifts that he has deposited, all of the good things about who we are. I'm thankful for that. And I think one of the most difficult aspects of forgiveness, especially when the wrong was serious, is for us to actually refuse to rehearse that in our mind over and over and over. But we must deliberately direct our thoughts to other things, such as how much God has forgiven you. When that starts coming in your mind, direct, redirect your thoughts to how much God has forgiven you. Because to dwell on an offense that you have forgiven actually breaks the promise that you that you gave to God to forgive that person. And so the enemy's going to try to make you think about it. He's going to try to have things that bring it up and things that remind you of it. And what you need to do is stop dead in your tracks and say, okay, I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to think about the goodness and the, and, and, the, and the grace of God, the thing that he has extended to me. And you redirect those thoughts. It's going to take practice. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to be frustrating. But that's going to be how you're going to uproot the unforgiveness in your life. Number four, We need to refuse to talk to others about the offense. If you say that you forgive someone, but then you tell others about that offense, you're trying to make that offender pay, which is not forgiveness. Or you're trying to evoke sympathy from others at the offender's expense. When you forgive, you choose to drop the matter, period. Not just drop it to the person, but you drop it to your own mind, you drop it to others, And it becomes as if it's completely forgiven. The guilt is off, case dismissed, not guilty. Now, the exception for this one would be if there's fear that the offender may be trying to repeat the sin toward another person that needs to be warned of the danger. And if that's the case, then seek godly counsel because that is something that could be an exception if you suspect it. Okay, and we talk more about that as as things unfold. But in general, as a general rule, the decision to not think about it, to not talk about it, to let the person off, off the guilty is the way that you allow forgiveness to swell in your life. These decisions help us forgive the way God has forgiven us. They can be a measuring stick. They can be guidelines. And so if, as I talked about that, one of those decisions made you gulp a little 
or you found yourself justifying it a little bit, I want you to pay careful attention because that may be a place that God is gently putting some pressure to remind you that that's where some unforgiveness is. That's a little, that's a little misalignment there. Pay attention to it. There's a spiritual law that what you sow, you reap. What you sow, you reap. And when you sow the love of God, you reap the love of God. I love Bob's testimony today because that's what happened is he sowed the love of God and then he waited and then he sowed the love of God and then he waited and then he sowed the love of God and then he waited. But as we sow, sometimes the harvest isn't as quickly as we would like. It isn't, it isn't as timely as we prefer. I said, I'm sorry. Why aren't we okay now? But the scripture says, and, and, and the Ertles saw it in this, we have to trust that God's word is true. When we sow the love of God, we will reap the love of God. And so all of your sowing, all of your, your, your effort to, to allow uh, forgiveness to rise up in your life and not to keep that bitterness or offense, all of that is sowing the love of God. And you better believe that someday you will reap the love of God. You will reap the love of God. That's what the scripture says. Now, biblical forgiveness is a series of decisions. It's a series of decisions. And, and this morning, I listen, I know this is a hard word, but this is a word that cuts through all of our excuses. It just cuts through all of our excuses, and it leads us to this fountain of grace to be set free from bitterness, where, where our chains of the past can be broken, where our, where our relationships, where, where they can be, can be made whole and restored. I believe that through these decisions, some of you are gonna feel healthier physically, that that actually is gonna happen. That I believe that through, the, through these decisions, that you're gonna feel better emotionally, that you're gonna be able to live in freedom and live in rest, and live in this ability to, to walk in the freedom that you are sowing the love of God and you can trust him. I believe that mentally it's going to free some of you from thinking and obsessing about these things all the time. And I believe that spiritually, as you uh, allow yourself to forgive people, that your, your capacity to understand and, and know the love and the will of God is going to get bigger. And it's going to do all of these things because God talks about it so much. He knows it affects us so much. I love when I get excited, they get excited. It kind of like, <laughs> they swell. It's so true though. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, you got a card right here when you came in. If you didn't get one, I have some extra up here. I want you to take a minute and I want you to really think about who you need to extend forgiveness to. This person may not even know they hurt you. Maybe it's a wound you've been carrying for a really long time and, and, and you have been trying to lay it down to the Lord, but you, but you still suffer from it. You still have a hard time. And maybe that's the person you need to put on this card. Maybe God has brought to mind someone that you thought you had forgiven, but as we talked about these decisions, you realize that you think about it a lot, that you talk about it sometimes, that there is still something in there. You know, maybe on that card, you might list your own name. Because maybe there's something in your own life that you can't let yourself off the hook for. That you've forgiven everybody else around that situation, but the things that you did wrong, you can't let yourself off the hook. So here's what we're gonna do. What I, what I really want you to do is contemplate, ask Jesus who it is. And I want you to write their name down on this card. You can abbreviate it if you want. No one's gonna look at these. We're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna, you know, have anybody see them or anything like that. This is for you. 
This is for you to have an experience with God. And, and we're going to sing this song, Bigger Than I Thought. God, you're bigger than I thought. I stop all my negotiations with you, God. Because you have said I need to forgive, and so I will do that. And when I am obedient, your blessings will rain down from heaven. And what I want you to do is um, when you're ready, I want you to write that name on this card. I want you to bring it up here and lay it on the altar. There's going to be cards all across these stairs and, and, right, and up here. And I want you to lay it on the altar. And I want you to do that as a, a symbol of an action of a natural step in the supernatural. It's a natural step that you are making today to forgive. Your feelings will catch up. Your feelings will catch up. But you do the action in the natural. You do the action in the natural and in the supernatural. God will honor that. He will help you. And you can lean into his grace for it. The truth is God loves you so much. He has forgiven us of so much. And out of this truth, we can live in spiritual freedom. We can live in forgiveness. All right, so take that card if you have it. If you don't have one, you can come up here and get one and write your name on it. Maybe, Michael, you can find me some pens. I'll put these here. And let's, uh, why don't you stand? And let's, I'm gonna pray here. We'll sing this song. And then I want you to act in this moment. Dear God, I thank you so much. Jesus, I thank you so much for the prodigal son. I thank you so much, Father God, that you have given us a picture in Luke 15 of how you run to us. And so, Lord, I pray today that whether we're taking the first step in the direction of you, God, or if we are just wanting to forgive people like you forgive, I pray that you would show us who it is, who who it is in our hearts that we need to forgive, whether it's ourselves or someone we love deeply or someone that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And God, today that you would uproot it. Lord, that you would uproot it in a miraculous way. God, that you would start the process, that you would complete the process. God, that you would do something in us that would be so life-changing. And God, that your spiritual freedom would flow today. Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Speak to me when the silence steals my voice.